Hi everyone, what's your highlight of the week? Thank you for joining us again tonight. This is MIT podcast. MIT stands for Mindset into Transformation. I'm Benjamin Huang, your host tonight. Here we have conversation with people who have done extraordinary thing in their life, how their mindset shift to help them achieve it. We discuss their story of success and the mindset that drive them into achieving the impossible. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Today, I'm very excited to have a very seasoned real estate investor joining us to talk about uh, the basically details on the apartment syndication journey. Uh, who is also uh, I see personally see a, a great mentor of myself, Tony Lin. How are you, Tony? Doing great. Thanks for asking. Thanks for joining again, Tony.、Um, so I think to start, yeah,、uh, I think to start, let's talk about、um, like like what what you're what you're currently doing, and you know, kind of give a brief bra-、uh, background to our audience. Sure. Um, so my background is in tech.、Um, so I have been a software engineer for twenty years in the Silicon Valley,、um, doing a lot of small startups.、Um, I really enjoy being hands-on and working very closely with the teams. So、um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be in four startups,、um, two of which went public. And、um, and that's how I was able to get my initial seed funding for some of my investments. So I've always been very interested in personal finance and investments. So、um, I've also invested overseas in China,、uh, in cities like Beijing and、um, you know up north. So we you know we bought a few apartment apartment flats there,、um, but. As everybody knows, you know China's policies is like super volatile, right?、Um, you never know、um, what kind of restrictions that they're gonna be bringing.、Yeah. So、um, after pulling the money back, I was looking for、um, the next place to be able to、um, diversify, right? My funds, in addition to investing into index funds.、Mm-hmm. So that's when、um, I realized that even though I live in California, it's not the best place to invest because it's not very landlord friendly. Um, so um, I started looking into、yeah. Texas. You know, I was planning to go buy a few single-family homes there.、Um, prices were great, it cash flows.、Uh, but then that's when I got to know about the apartment business there, right? So different than single-family homes,、mm-hmm. apartment business is more like、uh, a real company business, and it's valued more on your performance. You know, more on your income rather than. You know what is the market doing in terms of like your neighboring, you know, housing comps, right? So right. this is more predictable. I can see how we can improve it and be able to、um, execute a business plan and actually be able to come out with a, you know, much more predictable outcome, right? So right.、Um, right. I'm also kind of conservative, so、um, I I want to invest in an asset class that will still do well during a downturn. So that I don't have to keep feeding money to the monster, but the monster、right. is actually paying money. So yeah, and that's kind of how I got started. Right. So you see, apartment complex to be、uh, basically the vehicle that、uh, will be doing great during downturn. That's right. Yeah, because yeah, everybody needs a place to live, right? And、um, a lot of times that what what we've seen is people. You know,、um, during like for example the oh seven oh eight when the 
housing crisis, people move out of houses and they look for um, apartments, right? Because it's much more affordable. Right. So I, you know, I started off by passively investing in um, class B, class C, you know, older type mm-hmm. of assets that is more affordable and more downturn resistant. So, um, and those have done exceptionally well. Right. Yeah. So I think in total, I invest, I invest in many different things, um, apartments, mm-hmm. self-storage, um, you know, student housing, new builds. Um, but out of my entire portfolio, apartments are the one that, you know, has the lowest volatility risk mm-hmm. as well as probably some of the highest returns I, I've seen. You, you actually touch on a lot of things that we can get uh, further, you know, you know, dive. Um, but just to start, I think for um, basically you mentioned that doing the apartments uh, syndication or buying the apartment complexes, um, it's more of, uh, you know, running a business instead of, you know, just buying a single family and just bring it out, right? Do you want to give us more content mm-hmm. on... Um, the the real differences and also you know in terms of the the business model what crossed your mind and you know what what you need to consider before you, you know execute uh, the business plan right yeah so um, you know I think everybody's familiar with single family homes how um, depending on the market you know uh, it could be really crazy everybody moves up and then um, when the market turns like for example interest rate goes up. All of a sudden, um, you know, price prices drop, right? So, um, apartment business, meanwhile, is very stable, right? Your valuation is based on how much profit that the apartment is able to generate. So, in a startup, you know, for example, if our if a startup's revenue is ten million, there's usually a multiple to that, right? So, if your startup makes ten million a year or or a quarter. Multiply by a multiplier twenty, then your company is worth about two hundred million dollars, right? So the more revenue you're able to generate, the more value your startup is worth. So apartment is very similar to that. <clears throat> the more income that your, you know, say apartment is able to generate half a million dollars of income, okay, a year, multiply that by twenty, this apartment is worth ten million dollars. If you're able to improve on that, right? If you're able to generate more income by renovating the units, or um, you know, providing new amenities, or you know, the as we see, the current rental market is going pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, the more income you're able to generate, let's say you go from high five hundred thousand dollars of income to eight hundred thousand dollars of income. Mm-hmm. Well, now this apartment is worth sixteen million because you know, eight hundred times twenty uh, is sixteen million. So by the other people are buying a cash generating business, right? So why did you multiply by 20? So it's a it's a cap rate. Um, so this is considered a phi cap. So cap rate is a way to measure, um, you know, how much are you pro- paying for a certain amount of profitability? Okay, so right. phi cap means for every dollar, there's a 5% cap rate. So one divided by 5% is, 20, is, is a 20 multiplier. Right, and five percent uh, cap rate is what we're generally seeing nowadays in the uh, in the market. I mean, B class to uh, B class to C class. Yeah, it's gonna be different for every state and neighborhood, but um, generally in Texas, where I do most of my investments, 
um, you know, class C, you're seeing about four and a half to five percent. Mm-hmm. Class B, you're probably going to be in the three and a half to four percent. And wow. class A is probably going to be somewhere around like two and a half percent. Right. And so it's 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 compressed a lot. Right. Right. And it is the uh, entry uh, cap rate, right? Basically, you're entering you're you're entering the the certain percentage, and you want to improve it to bring up the cap. Yeah. So for the people that are not familiar with this cap rate, um, so cap rate is basically you know the lower some a cap rate is, the more expensive. Uh, it is right. So something in you know downtown San Francisco is going to be like a two cap, right? right. And then um, you know if you buy someplace really cheap, um, it'll probably be like a ten cap, right? So um, that's kind of a comparison. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Yeah, I mean, uh, basically you're buying a business. Uh, how pro- how profitable the business is? How quickly it can generate cash? Um, you know, determine the value of the business, right? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give a quick example. So, for example, sure. during COVID, <clears throat> um, you know, even though there's like a small recession, there's a lot of people not there. But um, during the recession, our apartments stayed about ninety six to ninety seven percent full. Uh, with where and we were collecting ninety three percent of the money, right? Wow. Whereas compared to a single family home. It, let's say, a lot of us own like just one house or two rentals, right? If one of your tenant leaves, that's a 50% drop in revenue, right? Exactly. Or one of them decide not to pay, that's like, you know, 50% to all of your revenue gone, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas apartments, if we buy like a 200 unit, even if 10% of the tenants are behind on their payment, you're still collecting 90% of the rent. You're able to spread that risk out a lot more. Right, right, exactly. Um, in terms of you know, uh, uh, you know, risk, uh, like like you said, right, the size of the property um, can you know uh, reduce the risk of basically losing money. Um, did you mm-hmm. started um, directly into you know, uh, uh, you know, hundred plus unit apartments, or did you start with you know twenty, thirty? And gradually, you know, turns into you know much bigger deals. Mm. So um, I started off on large apartments uh, first by passively investing into um, other syndication deals. Um, so I want to be able to leverage their experience, see how they operate. So um, you know, till now, I think I invested in about fifteen different apartment deals. About. 3,000 to 4,000 doors in total. Um, so, <clears throat> so from that, I got a lot of experience of, you know, how these are operated, modeled, and are the income real, right? <laughs> yeah. Can I see and touch that apartment? Um, so, you know, successfully, you know, I had a few full cycle returns, um, which gave me a lot of confidence, and I got to know the people in the industry. So, um, and then, that allow me to partner up on my first deal with somebody who's experienced. Um, but I always knew that smaller apartments are actually much harder to run um, because you're not much able harder. to. Yeah, much, much. So, for example, like 20 unit deals, 30 unit deals, because you're not going to you're not going to get the best quality property management company to want to do that size. And then the amount of money that you're paying for on-site management, such as the office manager or maintenance, um, 
becomes really expensive compared to the size of your uh, the number of units you have, right? Right. So, right. Um, the general rule is, you know, the general you can think of it as every hundred units you have, you can afford one full time office lady and one full time maintenance guy. Okay. So one at twenty to yeah, so twenty to thirty units, you're you're kind of paying for four four x the cost, right? Right. Um, so, so the first deal that I did was actually two hundred and ten units. Okay. Wow, and, and that is you doing you running it yourself, not joining other right. uh, syndication. Um. So I had a partner that helped me qualify for the deal because right. you being a first time apartment syndicator, um. They want to make sure that there's somebody more experienced that's running the deal with you, so right. they help us to acquire the deal while we are able or we run the daily operations, mm. right? I so see. they bring us, they bring us into in, in, into the market, right? And mm -hmm. um, but after that, then you you know you 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 want you have to handle everything, so. We were able to do that on, yeah, first one was about 210, second one was 146, and then um, third deal was also um, about 220, and then the most recent one we acquired is 156. Units. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So uh, how, how's the first deal look like when you, you know, kind of just uh, joining um, other people's mm -hmm. uh Right? Did you bring the fund? Did you bring like what did you bring to the table to work with them? You know, to complete the first deal. And are you still running it? Yeah. So the first deal that we had, um, we we found the deal. Um, it was through one of my connections, um, and also we brought all of the funding. Um, so we were able to raise. I think that deal was around about four million dollars in in um, raise. Okay. So. Um, we, yeah, so we found the deal, we raised the funds, and then we did the operations. So um, they were able to provide, you know, helping to help us qualify for the loan, helping to um, give the brokers enough trust that we can mm -hmm. execute on the deal. And also, uh, they provide a mentorship, right, which is super valuable. Right, right. Yeah. Um and uh, you just mentioned that you have been doing 15 uh, deals. That is over how many years now? So it's been about seven years. And those wow. 15 deals are um, passive deals. So active okay. deals that we are managing is four deals. And um, yeah, so I think you, you were asking, do we still have that first apartment? We actually just sold it earlier this mm -hmm. January. So that deal we bought for about eleven million dollars, and then we 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 were able to sell for seventeen million. Wow! In okay. about three years, in about three years, so you know that so project was. Wow! So it was a three years uh business plan. <laughs> you guys were planning to to um, you know, hold it for three years when you enter it, or it was kind of play by eyes. So um, the original plan was to hold it for six years, um, but we saw that the market was uh, was pretty favorable, and um, you know we we probably had some large maintenance issue. Um, like you know we were planning, we were thinking that we have to replace another chiller. Um, so we mm -hmm. we did some of the major renovations. So we um, 
we change out the roof, we change out two of the six chillers. Um, but we can see that, you know, it's getting to that time where the other chillers probably need to be replaced. And so we decided it's a good time. We left the property in really good condition for the next guy. And he had more renovations that he can continue to do to continue to drive the rent. So, um, right. yeah, so it, it just took about, even though it was a six-year plan, we exited in three years and overall it was like 146% return for the project. Hmm. Wow. Impressive. Um, in terms of, you know, the you were saying the market is very favorable. Um, mm-hmm. Do you see, you know, apartment complex also in a condition that, you know, um, can, you know, consider bubble or or not? Uh, you know, you can compare that with, you know, single family or smaller deals. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see the market in general? So um, multifamily isn't really impacted by the ups and downs of the single families. So, for example, right now, um, you know, even if we go through a recession, the value of the apartment doesn't really change. So, for example, um, even through the tough times, you know, where we're still getting 92, 93% of our collections, well, your valuation mm-hmm. is based on your ability to collect money, right? How much money are you collecting? Right. So if you're maintaining the same amount of collections before and during, your valuation of your apartment doesn't change, right? Um, right. <clears throat> so... And, and, and right now, um, you know, you, you can see um, the the rent growth across the U.S. has been pretty, pretty crazy, right? Anywhere right. from 16% in Dallas to 24% in Austin, right? Um, what we're seeing is a lot of people are actually moving to these tech centers and more affordable places, right? So places like Dallas, Austin, um Georgia, uh, Phoenix are relatively com- affordable compared to places like California and New York, right? And this nonstop mm-hmm. migration of people, you know, about, you know, in Dallas, we're seeing about like 100,000 people a year, right? So that's a 3% growth year after year after year. And they're not building new class B, class C, more affordable places, right? You see a lot of people right. building class A, right? You know, um, three, four thousand dollars a month type of places, but you know the people that are migrating in, they're looking for affordable options, and you know they're already built. It, those, those are the same apartments, right? That people are trying to all cram it, and that's what's driving a lot of rent growth, right? Because people have nowhere else to find more affordable places. So exactly, exactly. The next step is basically you know the street, right? If that, <laughs> right? I mean. To- well, people will actually share rooms. Um, what I find is like, you know, even in a recession, um, you know, people right. lose their house or whatever. People move down from class A to class B, class B to class C, and then they don't go down any further because that's the hood, right? Class D is like the hood. Yes. But people mm-hmm. would then go like, um, you know, the mom would move in with a daughter or two families right. move in together, but they will do whatever it takes to continue to pay. So it, it's right. that's why... Right. Apartments are always like ninety-five to ninety-seven percent occupied, even exactly. Oh, exactly. And let me take a step back because you were saying that uh, you guys sold the deal. As you see, the market is in you know somewhat favorable condition. Mm -hmm. Um, And but at the same time, right, apartment valuations, like you said, is pretty stable, right? I mean, it's like how people value 
those apartments, it you know doesn't really uh, you know change according to the market condition, right?、Mm-hmm. You know, what what did you mean by favorable? Were we able to sell it higher during a good time and you know sell it lower during a bad time? Is that what you meant by you know favorable? Yeah, so I say favorable compared to you know the dramatic change that we have seen over the last two weeks actually. <clears throat> so、um, for someone who is buying an apartment, a lot of it depends on how much loan they can actually get, right? So ideally, you want to be at about seventy to eighty、um, percent loan when you purchase purchase a large property. This way, you don't have to put too much money in all that kind of stuff, right? So.、Um, You know, the past two years has been very favorable. People were able to get seventy to eighty percent loans pretty consistently. Now, due to the recent inflation and the Fed price hike, this has significantly,、um, you know, we can predict that the interest rate is probably gonna hit, you know, on the sulfur side, it's probably gonna hit over two percent, probably to two and a half to three percent middle of next year.、Um, so what this means is. Um, because the interest rate is so high,、uh, the amount of money that you're able to borrow, okay, the the bank is comfortably、mm-hmm. letting you borrow has dropped a lot. So、um, right. instead of seventy five to eighty percent leverage、uh, a year ago, even a few months ago,、um, now it's more like sixty to sixty five percent leverage, right? Then that means、mm-hmm. that's an extra two to three million dollars short of your purchase price, right?、Um, right. And, And you know, faced with this reality, sellers are going to have to lower the price. Okay,、um, right, true. Because the purchasing power reduced, right, significantly. Now, it's not so bad for sellers at this point because you know, usually they have like a twelve-year loan,、uh, and they have to pay a huge prepayment penalty if they sell before twelve years, right?、Um, right. So, but. It's tied to how high the interest rate is. So if their interest rate is high, then the prepayment penalty that they have to pay is less. So when interest rate goes up,、um, they actually end up saving money on the prepayment penalty, even though the sell price has dropped. It kind of evens out.、Um, mm-hmm. So、um, yeah, so so the prices that I've seen in the past week or two, you know, I'm seeing about like ten to fifteen percent. Price drops on some people who are really eager to sell. Okay, a lot、mm-hmm. of apartments are performing really well. They would just pull off the market and say, "Oh, we're all, we're still cash flowing like crazy. We're still returning like seven eight percent." You don't have to sell. Yeah, I don't have to sell. I can ride through this, you know,、um, interest rate right. issue, right? And then we'll look at it next year. So,、yeah. um, valuation wise, yeah, I mean. The income doesn't doesn't change. In fact, it's actually going、mm-hmm. up. That's what's driving the apartment prices nowadays. Because,、um, you know, we're getting like, hundred fifty to two hundred fifty rent increases on every unit year over year. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's going to cash flow even better than what you predicted. Yeah, yeah. So,、uh, the, I mean, those are those are great content. I I, I really appreciate you you getting to you know such a you know level of details. Um, you know, of course, right? How we were seeing the apartment complex,、uh, you know, comparing with other asset class, how it performed, things like that. This is a very important piece.、Um, let's switch to the other piece, right? Say, 
um, because you're saying that the apartment complex is considered as a as a business, right? You'll need to manage it. You'll need to make sure that people who are running it for you really do their job mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, what's your experience on that? What have you been, you know, uh, experiencing? Have you personally looking for someone to run the apartment for you? And recently, there's also, you know, the staff shortage. I don't know how it would impact, you know, it, you know, the project that you're doing. Mm. So, um, pretty much all sizable apartment complexes are, um, you would hire a professional property management company to run it. Okay. So these are um, people with a large staff under their company, and um, you know we usually use companies that manage at least six, seven thousand units already. Okay, mm-hmm. so they're pretty sizable. Um, the last one I used was actually had was managing twenty six thousand units, so they're very experienced. Wow. Yeah, um, and in fact, the lenders would not let you buy without you having a professional management there. They, they don't really trust you right. to, 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 to run it yourself. <clears throat> right. Um, so, yeah, so we definitely see some staff shortage, um, especially on the maintenance side. Okay. So the maintenance are getting paid really well. Um, you know, so I think um, in Texas, their average pay for elite maintenance went from something like $22 to over $30 an hour uh, in a couple of years. Right. Um, so it's getting harder to keep up. Um, but um, the key is as long as you can build a good, strong relationship with them um, and, you know, able to manage them reasonably, they they really do enjoy working with um, with, with good employers. So, for example, right. on the last property that I sold, um, I worked with that team for, you know, uh, over a year and a half. Right. And they all came with me to the new apartment. So, um, you know, this retention um, of working with people that you know, that they know how you want them to operate, right? And they have great familiarity and they really go the extra mile to make sure the properties run well. Um, This really reduces turnover. But but yeah, I'm not trying to run a property management company. Um, those employees transfer to the new property management company as their employees. Okay. But, Mm. um, yeah, and that's how we were able to retain some of the, um, office staff as well as the maintenance staff. Right, right, right. And, uh, in terms of maintenance costs, did you guys experience, you know, uh, significant price rise, uh, you know, during the past, uh, 12, 12 to 24 months? Yeah, I think we did. You know, definitely all the material costs went up, um, and not just material, but in terms of like I would say the labor, um, you see a larger impact um, because there's less people. Even even for roofers, for painters, etc., they're not able to find the amount of people um, to do all the jobs that they're being asked. Right, so right. they're raising their price. Um, you know, because they're taking on fewer projects due to lack of manpower, they're also raising the price to compensate, right? Um, so I would say, right. you know, compared to the previous projects, we're seeing anywhere from 10 to 15% higher project cost. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's certainly a big piece, you know, when you evaluate a project or when you evaluate a deal to, to uh, pursue, right? Yeah. So um, these are something that, 
you know, um, if you're paying attention to the market, you already know. So when you underwrite for a new deal, um, I, I already um, I already included those expectations that the cost is going to be higher. Plus, when we usually go buy a go go acquire a property prior to acquiring, we already got quotes for what some of these um, larger costs is going to be. For example, if you knew that the place is going to need roof, you would have already gotten some rough estimates for, um, you know, oh, the roof is going to be 400 grand, 500 grand. And you would include right. that in your um, projection already. Right, right, right. Great. Um, so let me take to, you know, the other directions in regards to your background. You started, uh, you know, being an engineer, right? You're in, uh, you know, tech tech industry. Uh, and you mentioned that you have been, you know, uh, in two startups that you were able to, you know, uh, acquire the, the, the C funding. Want to give us a, a bit more, you know, content on how that journey was and and how how that you know how you kind of move yourself toward the uh, real estate um, journey. Yeah. So uh, something I joke about is I have a limit of how large a company can be. <laughs> so uh, you know, I I start out with companies that are like 10, 20 people, um, but you know, over the years we would grow the company uh, business and people but by the time you hit about 700 to 800 people um politics start setting in right so i really enjoy the small environment where um you know literally i i I know this guy we work together as a team there's no levels of management everybody just working together to you know be able to hack all these things together and you know Mm -hmm. come out with it right so um so I like that I'm a very hands-on kind of guy and, you know, so, um, and, and I really like numbers. And this is just, you know, an engineer's problem. Um, so, so yeah, so that's why, you know, once we get a company to go public and it's gotten large enough, we're probably even acquired by another company, then it's like, okay, time for the next adventure, right? Um, so nice. it is through this, and I think... Um, I resisted in, you know, chasing the big management uh, ladder for a long time because I really enjoyed getting my hands dirty and working on the code directly. Um, but later on, as I started to passively invest, I started walking these apartments. Uh, I realized that I love getting my hands dirty again, right? I, I love getting right. out there, not stuck on an office chair and being able to, um, you know, go explore and go travel, right? Uh, and right. The people aspect of it, you know, being able to chat with people, chat with the brokers, and sharing what little I learned. Um, I have a meetup group as well where I kind of just, you know, discuss like all these, you know, all these things I learned um, and to my meetup group. So um, I just find that it's very enjoyable and rewarding. So that's when I decided to dedicate a little bit more time. I mean, in the beginning, I didn't have to spend that much time, even though I had like 15 passive investments, my mm. amount of work was, was zero, right? I just sit home and I collect checks. <laughs> Literally, that's right. like right. The, the, the level, right? So you have to kind of like, a, you, you kind of have to like pain to, to, to mm-hmm. manage these yourself. But, you know, for me, I enjoy getting out there and uh, yeah. Yeah, working on them. for sure. Um, how, so, uh, when you when you just got started 
you know, doing this those passive deal, um, like like uh, how how did that work? And you know, uh, you are you able to you know uh, get into the conversation with the syndicator and you know really go to a field trip with them, learning how they're doing things. Like how that how is that process mm-hmm. you know look like? And uh, do you recommend people who uh, you know? Have the background like us, you know, doing, you know, being an engineer, scientist, you know, medical doctor, and things like that, have interest in real estate, do the same thing, like starting with you, uh, you know, as, as a passive in, in investor? Yeah. So um, that's exactly how I kind of got started. So on my first investment, um, I met this, this team that I really like, who I felt like. I was actually really lucky that the way that we think is very similar, right? Um, so I heard that they were flying out to go to do diligence on the new property they just acquired that I was also um, invested in. So I just called them up. I was like, hey, can I join you guys, right? And they said, okay, but it's like tomorrow and it's in Dallas, right? I was like, no problem. I'll buy a ticket. I'm gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll, I'll come along right away, right? Um, so... Um, so I joined with them, uh, did the due diligence on two properties, um, pretended I was a renter and did um, comparison shop uh, around the mm-hmm. other properties in the area and also got to check out some of my other passive investments, right? So that way I got to me- meet the property management company, uh, the broker representing the deals and um, you know overall how to determine the market rent uh, for that kind of property right so we became very very good friends um, over Mm -hmm. the years and in fact you know we are now partnering together to buy larger properties together right so if we're buying something Mm -hmm. like a four to five hundred units yeah then our two teams will actually join up and buy them together so Mm -hmm. you know um, and I think it's a great way to learn. Uh, it's how they, you know, how I was how I was taught. So on the most recent deals, I also had a couple of people go with me um, to when we did the due diligence, right, to see how it works mm-hmm. and just, you know. So, um, you know, I'm happy to give back to. And I think, you know, you can listen to all these streams or classes, but there's nothing like being able to do it on your own to see exactly. Exactly. What's done. Exactly. Right. Uh, face-to-face uh, interactions really, you know, listen, how people talk, how people, you know, uh, evaluate deals on the right deals, do a due diligence. Those are priceless things that you can learn from the books or, you know, listening to podcasts, things like that. Right, because things also move so fast, right? So, um, you know, what you thought you learned as a general strategy is completely not applicable now. <laughs> so it's always good to right, have a right. group of syndicators. So, you know, we compete for deals and then and then it's like um, we compete fiercely for deals. But after something is won, we're like the best of friends. We share. It's like, hey, this, you know, who is a good electrician that you refer? How about this guy? Have right. You- Hit a problem where the the where, where the building burned down, mm-hmm. <laughs> so so yeah, it's a very good community to be in. Great, great, um, Tony. Uh, our our podcast actually, uh, you know, for, uh, a lot of time we talk about mindset, right? 
because we believe mindset is what drive people's, you know, really get to do the thing that you have never imagined that you would do, right? Um, can you touch on, you know, the mindset change or switch during, you know, in your journey? Were there something happened that, you know, switch your thoughts and, you know, you're getting into a new mindset that drive you into doing something you have never imagined doing? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, as a as an engineer before, I never thought I would do real estate. Um, it was always something like, okay, I'll invest in a REIT or something like that and let somebody take care of it, right? And I mm-hmm. think um, the biggest change for me is actually when I realized that this is a this is a, a business model instead of because I'm risk averse. I don't like not being able to predict like you know the market up and downs right i can't i'm not very good at timing the markets okay so i rather do things that's more predictable and then the moment i decided to go active is when i realized that um you know in the there's many people who are not familiar with um you know syndication how people can pull money together to take on institutional size projects right we we tend to think small as like oh just my own rental right, um, but you can really scale up to larger things, and most people don't know how to do that right. Most people also don't have the time to learn all the things involved, so that's why syndication model works well because you have experienced leads um, who basically takes care of all aspects of it right, and um, you you're able to you know invest some of the money you can spread it out over multiple deals uh, and reduce your risk even further right in a way when you invest in a second indication deal it's not just you you're spreading the risk with like 40 other investors you know 60 other investors so it's not putting all your eggs in one basket and there's somebody more experienced than you are that is um taking care of the property so right exactly and you know the, the the you know out of the forty people there there got to be someone who you know uh, see things that you don't see, right? So you you're you're better covered than doing the deal yourself, right? And then so I think you know at first when I started my meetup, um, I wasn't I had no intention of going active. Um, I was just trying to figure out like, hey, have you invested with this guy before? How is his reputation? What about this guy? You know, you know, is it safe to invest with him? And then the group kind of grew and grew. And I kind of realized that I knew a little bit more than other people. So um, my mission became to make sure that people know how to evaluate deals, how to look at the details so that they don't get into trouble when investing with the wrong right. person. So, you know, I never want to talk bad stuff about other people. So I I just believe that if everybody learns how to evaluate for yourself, which you should do for any, I mean, this is a lot of money you're putting, right? So if you're able to know how to evaluate deals, um, you'll recognize which ones are not as it seems, right? Or people are over-promising. And uh, so, right. Yeah. And education is Very, very good. Yes, yes. Basically, learning how how to you know un- understand the you know reading about the balance sheets, uh, uh, running all those numbers, understanding that like underwriting deals. Certainly, not only you know active uh, syndicator but also passive investor. 
need to know how to do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, yes, Tony. Uh, you mentioned about your meetup group. Do you want to share, uh, like how people can find you, or、uh, if there's any way that people can reach out to you? Sure.、Um, so I have a, a both an in-person and virtual group. It's called Silicon Valley Multifamily Investor Club, or SV Mike. So you can find us on Meetup. We're about, I think, about eleven hundred people, and we try to have、um, meetups every month.、Um, well, I'm not too lazy, <laughs> but yeah. So we,、uh, you know, we cover a lot of different topics, such as lending, property management, how to acquire, how to underwrite, and、uh, in fact,、um, next Wednesday is a very interesting、uh, topic. We we have the Godfather of lending in Texas. Coming to California to do an in-person meetup,、um, talking about you know what, what what is the most relevant right now. It's it's hard to get loans, right?、Um, so what is the current what is the current lending environment looks like? What is the cap rate you have to pay? What is the long-term rate trends?、Uh, so、mm-hmm. yeah, so once in a while we bring in guest speakers.、Um, this guy and the Fannie Mae agency lender that's coming with him. Uh, next Wednesday、mm-hmm. is probably gonna be the most helpful one. So, feel free to. Is that in person or virtual? Both. So, you know, I I mean, if you're in the area, I would highly recommend that you come and meet、um, Mr. Paul Peebles.、Uh, but otherwise, we will be streaming online as well.、Mm, I see. I see. Great. And we will include those link. You know, if you're come, if you're listening. Uh, through podcast, we'll include that in the podcast note.、Uh, if you're listening to YouTube, we'll also include that、uh, in the note below.、Uh, Tony, there's one question that we ask all our, you know, guests is、uh, if there's any books that you would recommend people who just get started、mm-hmm. to read, or any books that influence you the most that you want to recommend to our audience. The funny thing is, you know, sometimes when people ask me, "What was a book that really changed the way that you look at money?"、Um, <clears throat> I think it was、um, the Dummy's Guide to How to Be a Millionaire. <laughs>、um, believe it or not,、nice. it, it was actually very well laid out on, you know, how to progressively, you know, by doing low cost index fund, by having a target savings goal, how that. Snowballs in the future,、um, that really changed my outlook in personal finance. Instead of trying to get rich quick, what's a methodical way to do it, right? And then、um, there's also the you know everything you want to know about multifamily, but is afraid to ask, right? So that's also pretty good. Joe Fairless has a has a couple of very good multifamily books as well.、Um, Best ever. So- Yeah, the best ever show and the books, right?、Um, so, right. and he breaks it down into very,、um, you know, easy to understand tidbits. Right. So, very and, good. And sometimes, you know, like I said,、uh, I also have like a apartment one hundred one, one hundred two series.、Um, so, you know, if you have some time, those are also good to listen to. Yeah. Sure.、Uh, Tony, if if you if you like, we can also share that in the notes for our audience.、Um, they can go check check out.、Um, if if you are、uh, people who just get started, 
right? Looking into apartment uh, complex, right? Uh, there's a lot that need to learn, and you know, before we jump jump into it, um, I hope the contents that we go through with Tony today um, bring you a lot of value. Uh, it certainly does to me. Um, Tony, let me thank you again to come to our show to be our guest. Um, really Thanks, uh, appreciate you. Me.